Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. This week, Alyssa Mastermonico, Grace Parra, Megan Gailey, and Francesca Fiorentini join to tackle these tough questions. What's the difference between a factory and a candy store? Can what happened in Iowa please stay in Iowa? What hath our collective electability preoccupations wrought? Which actor with a catchy nickname really deserves to win the Oscar, J-Lo or ScarJo? Plus, Hills Will Die On and a special break from political news, we're calling Sanity Corner. All of this on this week's Hysteria. If you've been paying attention to the news, you know that this week stuff has been happening. Uh, First off, we had the actual Super Bowl, where a team that definitely isn't from Kansas won. Then we had the Iowa caucuses, which was sort of like the Super Bowl if 92% of the people who played were white, and the game ended with the teams all trying to take the Lombardi Trophy home. We've also got Mitt Mitzdemeanor Romney with a surprise vote to convict the president in the impeachment trial, which doesn't actually matter because the president's getting acquitted anyway and is now going to go completely bonkers. And another Democratic debate on Friday. But there was also President Trump's State of the Union on Tuesday night, which was a dust devil of garbage and lies that Nancy Pelosi was right to rip in half. So to break down what was said, what was a lie, and what we should talk about when we talk about Trump, I'm going to call my friend, former White House Deputy Chief of Staff under President Obama and President of the 90210 Fan Club, Alyssa Mastermonico. Hey, Alyssa. Hi, Erin. I have a question for you. What is it? Okay. So how long do you think it'll be before Rip It Up Like Nancy Pelosi will be a rap lyric? And when that happens, how long after that do you think it'll be before MSNBC's Ari Melber passes out? Okay. So if we can just exclude Ari from the conversation, because he actually makes me not like music so much. (laughs) The question is how long before we get it tattooed? Oh, you know, I could, there's lots of tattoo places in Los Angeles. People want to put stickers and do stuff to their bodies all over the place. So I could do that as soon as today. I mean, and I just think that that would be like the proper testament. So it's like, you know, the we can do it like sign from the 40s. Rip we it should up. just make muscles and our muscles should say rip it up. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I that think- was that was delicious. That was a moment. Although I heard, um, so Nancy Pelosi, for those who didn't watch the State of the Union, and if you didn't, congratulations to you. You have two, <laughs> We did. We did. You have two more hours in your life to live than we currently do. I bet you spent it doing fun things like looking at your phone, staring at a blank wall, or watching paint dry. But yeah, at the end of Donald Trump's State of the Union last night, uh, Nancy Pelosi stood up and very dramatically ripped the speech uh, copy that she had in front of her in half. And um, there was a kind of mixed response to it. People who wanted to do that the whole time really rejoiced. People who didn't, who think President Trump is the best thing since, I don't know, uh, orange marmalade uh, (laughs) said that it was rude of her. But Alyssa, what did you think of it? So here's the thing. You know me, Erin. I am... Uh, I'm a bit of an institutionalist. I kind of like things to work. They're the way they're supposed to work. And, you know, Alyssa two years ago would have been like, Nancy, girl, what are you doing? Last night, I literally hooted and hollered. Let me tell you why. Because when he came in and she tried to shake his hand, he was like, back off, bitch. And just like turned around and didn't shake her hand. And then 
his speech was full of lies. Mm -hmm. So many lies that what we're actually, what I was waiting for after she ripped up the speech was for her to burn them and make a smoky eye. like Sarah <laughs> uh, And so anyway, I was like, I don't know. I found it cathartic. I think that so many of us felt like traumatized by his speech and just were shouting at the screen because, you know, it's like for me personally, when he said 7 million people are off food stamps, because you kicked them off, you stupid motherfucker. So that was like my vibe for 90 minutes. So when she tore it up, I was like, fucking hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I guess as somebody who worked with President Obama, it had to just be super frustrating to you more than other people who didn't have that experience to watch President Trump take credit for things that had started under President Obama and in many cases were Obama's idea. Well, I'm going to confess something super nerdy. Um, ever since I was little, like little, like little as I can remember, I watched the State of the Union and the movie, The American President at the end when he walks in and they say, Mr. President, like it's like I fucking love this shit. And so more than even how he was so wrong to Barack Obama, the way he just sort of like misused the moment was just, I was really upset by, I was really upset by it. Hmm. It's like, it was a campaign speech. He might as well have been on a tarmac in one of the States where he won't get booed and just gave the speech. And it was so clear how many, like how the Republicans had clearly gotten some sort of like copies. They knew where they were supposed to applause, which was at the end of every sentence he spoke when he paused for applause. Yeah. I mean, that you know, was extremely, it was very, uh, it was very North Korea to me. Like it was, totally. everybody demonstrably hooting and hollering for sentences that really weren't that exciting on their face as though it was part of a choreographed dance. And I agree with you, Alyssa, that I think that the, the state of the union, if you didn't like watching it last night, well, have fun because it's going to be what you're hearing from him for the next several mm. months. It's his campaign message for sure. But one thing that stuck out to me last night, and it started during the Super Bowl when I saw his commercial, that it took me a while to realize it was a commercial for Donald Trump because it had a black oh person God. in it. Yeah. Um, Donald Trump is really seeming to plan to accessorize with black people a lot moving toward Election Day. Yeah. That wasn't that wasn't subtle last night. <laughs> I mean, what is his support among black? black voters. It's very low. It's it's single digits below 5%. Um, what do you think his agenda is for trying to, to feature more black people in his ads? Is he trying to get black votes or is he trying to get the votes of white people who want their fears that they might be also racist for voting for a racist candidate so assuaged? It's funny you say that because I, uh, Jason Johnson from The Root was tweeting about this last night and his take, which I hadn't thought of but agreed with, was that last night him giving the scholarship to the girl from Pennsylvania, the ads that he's, you know, the ad for the Super Bowl ad, that those are genuinely meant to make white suburban women f feel like they're not racist too. Mm hmm. I mean, it, it seems like that's probably the case, because honestly, I think people that have a confirmation bias like white suburban women who who really want to vote for Trump, except they don't want to be racist, are just looking for a reason that they can do it and not think of themselves as racist. It seems like that tracks. Yeah, I mean, and it's and it's the it's funny because the theater of it all last night, too, was like something I've never 
seen before. And so you have to assume that if he was actually now, look, I think that he is a very complex individual and very complexly evil people work for him. So I think that he could have been trying to achieve a lot of different things last night. But it's like if he were trying to solely send a message of African-Americans I'm with you. I'm here for you. He wouldn't have awarded Rush Limbaugh the Medal of Freedom in the middle of the State of the Union. Someone who has said such disgusting things about African-Americans, specifically Barack Obama, like I won't even repeat. It just seems like, you know, I I feel like I, I guess in my heart, I feel like he was targeting those women who are like, please give me a reason to point to that I'm not racist too. Yeah. I mean, and he did tout that statistic that of the new jobs, 72% of them are filled by women. What he didn't point out is something that I think every single time he brings this statistic out, we should be talking about. The jobs that women are taking are lower paid jobs like Mm -hmm. home health workers and in retail. And they're jobs that don't have a ton of flexibility for parents. So if those women are mothers, they don't you know, it's it's more difficult for them to find childcare. Um, it's jobs that don't tend to have great benefits, so their healthcare right. is not good. So yeah, they have a job, but it's sort of like you know, in in like science fiction books, when somebody is like a kind of indentured servant to the company, where they have to keep working, and if they stop working, then they start owing the company money. It's like one of those things where it's like there's there's really no way to get out of being in the low income category by working in one of those jobs. Right. And what he also failed to mention is that by those women probably taking those jobs, they're no longer qualified for any sort of like food assistance because he's made that impossible too. So he definitely sort of like painted with the colors he wanted last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also I was I was reading the Washington Post fact check of this speech. And, you know, if, if you have the time, if you saw the speech and you were like, that can't be right, you're right. It definitely can't <laughs> be right. It wasn't right. Um, but there was one um, piece of information that the Washington Post singled out as really false when he said that low income net worth had gone up a lot. It was from a base um, so low that to quote the Washington Post, it's pretty silly to call it a boom because people in the bottom half of the wealth brackets uh, basically don't have any wealth at all. They just have 1.6% of the nation's wealth. So, um, and most of them are in debt that cancel out any wealth they have. And it is still true that the top 5% hold more than 70% of all the net worth in the U.S. So that's That's some fucking shit. That's some shit. Totally. Did you see that demonstration by um, the CBS morning show about uh, wealth and pie? (gasps) Tony DeCopel's finest moment in a mall. Do you want I mean, to describe his, what happened? Yes. So it was pretty amazing. Tony DeCopel, and since people do this all the time I to women, he is Katie Turr's husband uh, from MSNBC. And he is on, he's co-host on CBS this morning. And he went to a mall and had a table with a pie and several empty plates. And in front of each of the plates was sort of an income demographic, you know, lowest the highest 1%, middle class, lower class, people who are truly poor. And he asked people who were coming by to sort of cut up the pie as they think it should be the, the pie being American wealth. And, you know, when he showed people, so they would, you know, most people when they cut the pie were quite generous. Of course, people who need the most should perhaps get the most. And, you know, most people were 
utterly just gobsmacked <laughs> when they saw that literally all you had to do was take a sliver out of the pie, give the remaining giant entirety of the pie to the 1%, and then you figure out how to cut up that teeny sliver for the rest of America. And I thought that it was just like the most, I mean, Tony has like a very light touch. He really engaged people in it and got them to participate. And it was, you know, when you don't attack people, kind of like when you let people come to their own conclusion, it's, you know, quite powerful. And just watching, you know, person after person be like, the fuck that can't be right. Mm -hmm. He's like, that's right. That's exactly right. Right. So I thought, I think that like, honestly, there should, they should make it into an ad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, like someone else should go do it in a mall. They should send you and I to go do it. And we'll wear like very warm, welcoming clothing (laughs) and we'll get people to do it. And it should be an ad for someone because every single person should watch that, uh, that, uh, segment. Yeah. I mean, and I think that that speaks to kind of Okay, right now we're talking about what Trump is going to be doing until 2020, which is act like a fucking fool because he's about to be acquitted by the Senate um, and he's going to be emboldened because, you know, rules we believe in, but punishments for those rules. No, no, we don't believe in those. They just (laughs) exist so that people have like a distant arm's length respect for them. But I think something that's important to think about right now in this week of confusion, disarray, and a lot of like dark cloud punditry, um, that there are like really positive ways that that women listeners um, can talk to their friends about what the alternative is to Donald Trump. Like income inequality is a huge deal. The fact that economic indicators like the Dow and jobs numbers completely leave behind the economic reality of a lot of people in America, like whether Mm -hmm. or not they can afford healthcare, how fast those costs are rising, um, whether or not childcare is something that's accessible and affordable to them, whether or not somebody has to work so that they can afford childcare or can't work because it would be too, because childcare is too expensive, which is a problem that a lot of families have. I think that there are a lot of issues that people can talk about um, that counter the president's kind of message of just lies. Um, what are your favorite kind of angles in if you're going to try to talk to people about politics at this point? Well, you know, I just think that like, well, first, what you're talking about, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez actually testified about this morning uh, in front of Congress. And there's a good video of her online going through exactly what you just said. So, I mean, maybe you should run for Congress, Aaron. Um, <laughs> No, <laughs> but I think that like angle, I know. Could you imagine? Ugh. I know angles in, I think is just like, this is always my thing. You got to lead with curiosity. Like, I think that if someone has a firm belief about something, you kind of need to understand why. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's no good reason. Maybe their why is because Donald Trump told them so. And like with those folks, I'm not sure there's a way in. Right. It's like if Kim Jong-un has told you you're a believer, then you're a believer and you don't question why you're a believer. But, you know, I think most people hopefully don't just, you know, like believe whatever he spews out. And I think it's good to understand why people think what they think, but then kind of offer information like facts, you know, like, oh, actually, you think that the that all these people are receiving public assistance. Well, actually, here's the truth. And, you know, this is actually what Donald Trump did with food stamps and SNAP. And, you know, I think that that's the you can't yell at people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was listening to an interview on NPR this morning with um, 
with some uh, Trump voters in Iowa who were watching the uh, State of the Union. And after Nancy Pelosi ripped up the speech, they were aghast. They couldn't believe how rude it was. And then the NPR reporter was like, yeah, but he mocked a disabled reporter. And they were like, they took that out of context. People are constantly making fun of us, blah, 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 oh. blah. And it was one of those things where I just felt the... The muscles that can, I don't know, this is going to sound really anatomically specific, but I felt the muscles, they're like the tendons that connect my ribs, kind of like tightening, <laughs> like my whole, I get it. like my skeleton. Like you learn how to do in Pilates. Yeah, like my whole skeleton was like shrinking into a ball of anger. And I realized that, you know, those women are people like being from Wisconsin, people like I went to high school with, they're like the mothers of people I went to high school with. They're like people who live in my town right now who have kids in elementary school. And, you know, if I, if I'm trying to make anybody even open up a tiny bit to maybe turning away from Donald Trump, then the way to do it isn't to like roll into them like Sonic the Hedgehog, just like, no, 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 you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Because I do think that there are a lot of people that feel as though they are targets, whether or not they're true or, you know, whether or not they're right or not about that. They feel as though they're victimized. They feel as though, you know, they're under siege. They feel as though their way of life is constantly being, you know, picked apart. And I think that making it about uh, other people and not about destroying their life or making it about helping other people and not about like destroying their life might be one way in. But I do think there are a lot of hopeless people out there, that being said. I do. You know, the one thing that sort of like gave me a smidge of hope. Remember when the Coke uh, poultry plant was raided down in Mississippi mm-hmm. a couple months ago? Yeah. And they took, you know, ICE, ICE raided it and they took, you know, hundreds of workers out uh, into detention. And the people in the community who by and large were Trump supporters were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's like my neighbor. Like I know their kids, you know, like they're not bad people. And so I think that in some ways, like personalizing it too, in as much as you can, like, you know, I don't know. You know what I mean? They're human. I mean, it's, it's like, it's so fucking too. It's so much. I mean, everything is so much. I feel like I need a tattoo that says other people are people too. Just so like, are they? I I mean, that's the thing. It's like, (laughs) I it's, it's really hard for people to grasp that like other people are people too. I want to jump back to Donald Trump's speech really quickly uh, because, you know, one thing that is positive about the speech last night is that it was sandwiched in between the Iowa caucuses and uh, impeachment ending and another democratic debate, which is coming up on Friday. And Mm. so it's kind of going to fade into the background pretty quickly. I mean, there wasn't enough time. There wasn't very much time to hype it. And there wasn't much buzz around it. I think it just kind of happened. And everyone was like, okay, that happened. But Donald Trump cited in his speech um, data that the the United States gained 12,000 manufacturing establishments. He called them factories. But according to Alyssa, you're going to love this. Um, 80% of those manufacturing establishments employ five or fewer people. <laughs> and uh Factory, the name or like manufacturing establishments can refer to any place where something is made to be sold. So like a candy shop, a bakery, uh, a tailor. Donald Trump was counting those as factories. So the candy shop factory, Willy Wonka's tiny little factory. So Lucy and Ethel were a factory. They were a factory. (laughs) They were a, a chocolate inspection factory. Fuck, man. Isn't that... I mean... It's like, it's bad, but I'm laughing because it's hilarious that Donald Trump would be like, factory, 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 factory. 
Jeez. I mean, look, any number that came out of his mouth last night, you were like, okay. Yeah. You know what? I'm also, I, I before we move on to toast and roast this week, mm. I, I want to give us a little pat on the back for not really dwelling on Rush, the troll that was awarding Rush Limbaugh a medal during, oh. because, you know, he is a guy that called a college student a slut for using birth control, which, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if everybody listening remembers, but that happened. It was a huge thing. Advertisers pulled out of his show and then very quietly re-entered his show after people stopped paying attention. Um, it's really nice that we're not going to sit here and insult Rush Limbaugh because, you know, there's like, what, what could our insults possibly do to him at this point? You know, nothing, nothing. All right. So let's move on to toast and roast. Um, okay. Mm. I've got a toast. I'll go first. What, you go first. What's your toast? I want to toast, uh, up and coming lawyers. Here's why. Here's why. Um, I actually have my brother's a lawyer. My future father-in-law's a lawyer. I've some of my best friends are lawyers. Um, but for the first time, female law students are the editors in chief of law reviews at all 16 top law schools in the country. Fucking A. Yeah. Okay. So here's how quickly that's improved. In 2012, only 29% of the top editors of the top 50 law schools were women and women made up only 43% of all law school editors. So women are like really picking it up when it comes to law. So, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's idea of an all-female Supreme Court, you know, give it about 50 years. We have to stay alive so that we can see it because it's coming true because it's coming it's really exciting so toast to those 16 women and toast to the women that will one day occupy all nine seats on the u.s supreme court i first yes um i have two toasts two quick toasts okay to two misunderstood people okay one is uh perdita the cat have you heard the story of Perdita the cat? Aaron? I've been following the story of Perdita the cat very closely, but please share her story with our listeners. Perdita the cat at the Mitchell County Animal Rescue, known as the worst cat, who they described on their website as not for the faint of heart, who liked to lurk in dark corners. Same. The shelter waived her fee because they said, we thought she was sick. Turns out she's just a jerk. Oh my God. (laughs) Well, guess what? She got 175 applications (laughs) and Perdita's adopters met her. There was minimal growling and they've renamed her Noel just in case Perdita was what was triggering her anger. (laughs) Now I thought first I thought that was so funny because you may not remember this, but Noel was the name of Suzanne Sugarbaker's pig on Designing Women. I don't remember that. For some reason that made me laugh. I love it though. So we just wish Perdita Noel well and that she thrives in her new home in Tennessee. Yeah. I I love um that they also described her that she as somebody that insisted on being quote queen of her domicile. Girl, same what's wrong with that? Same. <laughs> that's why I said she was misunderstood. Uh, and then my other quick person who in life I believe has been misunderstood, but who is my queen forever is Shannon Doherty. Came out yesterday that she is, she's been in remission from her cancer for three years. And she, now she came out and said she has stage four breast cancer. Oh, that's horrible. It's horrible. And the the thing that the, the thing that just made me so sad when I watched the interview that she did on GMA is that one, I mean, Brenda and Dylan being very like losing Dylan in one year and finding out that Brenda has stage four breast cancer. It's just 
it has me feeling a lot of feels. Yeah. But the fact that she had to come out and be public with this battle, which for all intents and purposes should be as private as she wants to be, is because she's suing her insurance company that's trying to shaft her um, because her home was uh, damaged during the Woolsey fire in LA. And it's part of the court documents. And the court documents were going to be posted this week, I guess. So she had to come forward and she calls dealing with the insurance company, the nightmare of her life. And so I just, I'm a Brenda Stan, as the kids said, I always felt that brunettes got maligned on 90210. Um, and so anyway, I just like, I send her vibes. Yeah. Toast to Brenda, toast to Brandita slash Noel and toast to the law reviews and toast to you, Alyssa, because this week has been super crazy and I'm glad that you are sounding so positive. You know what, Aaron? It's you. I, you're, you're like my, you're my shining North star, man. Oh, that's the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me. I know. So I guess we'll just have to, we're just going to have to shine on until November. Yeah. Shine on, Alyssa. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Stick around. There will be more hysteria coming up. Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Tired of boring workout gear? Check out Viore. Viore's versatile and comfy products are designed to look great in and outside the gym, whether you're running, training, or even just lying on your couch, enjoying the fact that your two-year-old child is leaving you alone for five blessed minutes. I love that for Viore. You know what? That seems like a real perk of Viore. (laughs) It is. It's perfect. It's cut perfectly for lying down and just savoring a moment to be left alone. It's great. (laughs) Five stars. No comment. 100% great. That's the type. That's my favorite sport. The new, the women's performance jogger is the softest jogger you'll ever own. Grab one of these new colors before they sell out and check out the women's daily legging, which features a high waist drawstring tie and upgraded no slip fit. All things that are absolutely essential in a legging. Essential. Uh, I love these leggings. They are, because you know, like not everybody's the same, you know? So mm -hmm. it's like, I need a little bit more room around my booty. So I size up a little bit, but then it's it's usually too big in my waist. And so now I just, just pull that drawstring and I don't show, I don't show any crack when I bend over. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. See, you have your baby and I have my butt crack. (laughs) (laughs) For guys, there's the men's core short, the most comfy lined athletic short out there and the men's Sunday performance jogger. Oh my gosh, Alyssa, my brother, who I have given Viore performance gear to. Won an ultra marathon over the holidays. I saw that. That is so incredible. He ran 80 miles in the freezing cold. I don't think he was wearing his Viore core shorts because that would be dangerous. Dangerous. But, but he he loves wearing them to train, and uh, I'm so proud of him. I'm so pr- Viore played a role in his ultra marathon win. <laughs> Uh, plus, Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint and reducing and offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 onwards. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. And 
welcome back. We've reached the part of the show where I'm no longer sitting alone at a table in a studio with four people staring at me from several feet away. I have three people sitting with me from just a couple feet away, (laughs) and it feels a lot less weird. (laughs) So first, uh, I want to bring everybody in because I'm excited about the conversation we're going to have today. First off, she's the host of the sports podcast, The Greatest, which she hosts with her husband, which you can find anywhere. Uh, And it's Megan Gailey. Hi. How's it going? I mean, I think you can tell from my mood, not great. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I listened to the wrong things on the way here. Oh. You know, I needed to listen Christian to... Christian Rock. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> he lifts you. And um, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not coming in hot. I'm coming in lukewarm sad. Um, but I've come into the podcast before not feeling good and left feeling better. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping to listen and, and feel good after this. Uh, I can't make any promises. <laughs> can't make any promises, but hopefully we can get to a point where we feel at least less I'm alone. S- I'm yeah, also that's... sorry I was honest when you were like, how are you doing? I think I was just like, <laughs> good. No, my, yeah. Next up, um, she's a writer and actress and uh, actress, actresses. Actresses, exactly. Act- actresses. Yeah. Lady actor. L- lady actor <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> who wrote on Broke, which is coming to CBS on April 2nd. It's Grace Para. What's up, guys? Two Paras in a row. Dude, two Paras. Back to back Para. Back to back Para. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm, I am I have to echo Megan Uh-oh. here. I also feel very lukewarm about a lot of things. Uh, not, uh, not incensed, not like angry, but I am also hoping for the uh, energy that I know this table will bring to me. And um, yeah, I'm trying to find ways to be hopeful. It's tough. I'll tell you that. Yeah. You've it, got a wedding to plan. I do have a wedding to plan, oh, which has been very fun. Keep that light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> Let democracy come crumble around you. <laughs> yeah. We're, I'm breaking up my invitations like at the end of this oh, week. Exciting. And I, then I have to put a bunch of stamps and a bunch of envelopes and drop those envelopes in the mail. Oh, and my then, God. It's yeah. so real. Wow. Am I the only divorcee in the table? <laughs> For now. For, For now. now. I'd rather go through like three other general elections <laughs> and five more primaries than get married again. Um, just kidding. It's going to be great. It actually will be really fun. The wedding's the best part. It's all down. Okay. I feel like for We're a bachelorette on. party, people should wear shirts that say future divorcee. That would be so ironic and cool. Yeah, yeah. I love that yeah. idea. Future div- and it's such a like glamorous word. Um, or my first ex-husband, that kind of thing. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the divorcee that you've been hearing speaking at the table is uh, Francesca Fiorentini. She is the host of MSNBC's special Red, White, and Who, and she got to interview Bernie Sanders on it. I did. I did. We were at a bagel shop. It was, it was good. It took him... A- it took him uh, 15 minutes to warm up, and the other 15 minutes were just fire, pure fire. Got him to laugh twice, so I can die pretty much happy. What did he laugh at? He laughed at when I asked how many Iraq wars Medicare for all would cost. Oh, yeah. He liked that one. Um, and he laughed when I said, super unprepared, I was, he was like, I was like, how does Medicare for all, like, what's it going to look like? He's like, you're going to get a card. Your name is going to be on it. And I was like, is your face going to be on it? And then he loved that. Like, he <laughs> he loved the absurdity of it. You know, like, it just came out. It was cute. It was very cute. You know what I think would be something that would be an easy sell for me for Medicare for All, even though I'm for it? Um, I would like a big ring that has, like, a 3D <laughs> mm-hmm. printed Bernie Sanders head oh, on it. Like I a like, like a ring pop. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And you go to the doctor and you feel kind of like a Power Ranger. Yeah. And just, like, show your ring. I, can you lick it like a ring pop? 
You can lick it, but it's not going to taste like anything. Sure. I sure. know. I know we're going to get to the Super Bowl at some point. I think. I <laughs> but when they were doing the top 100 of whatever they are before, and you thought Bill Belichick wasn't going to be there, and then he showed up and he flipped his hand and he had like seven rings <laughs> yeah. on. I was like, you know what? This motherfucker got us. Flex. That is funny. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's how like if we ever get Medicare for all and we do get our Bernie rings, like people in their 90s will be because the idea of it, and I don't know this, that we all know this, but like that implementation would happen. Like you go down from 65 to 55, 55 to 45, 35, you know, Age, et cetera, et cetera. You mean? Right. As the years go on. Mm-hmm. And so like, I'd like it for each decade you're on it, you get a new ring. And yeah. so you're like, mm-hmm. hell yeah. And then, and also we'll live forever, you know? Yeah, yeah. that's true. With good health care, everybody's going to stay alive. One day we'll defeat death. Yeah. None yes. of us are going to die. <laughs> and I hate that. That terrifies me, by the way. What, not I don't want to live forever. No, yeah, absolutely I not. Do. Clean like 82, maybe even earlier. <laughs> oh yeah. Know. You don't want it. We've talked about this in our death episode, but yeah. like you don't want to live so long that nobody your age comes to your funeral. Oh, that's But you don't want to die so young that everybody, that, that most of the people are lit. older than you. Yeah. yeah, yeah you yeah, want yeah, your yeah. funeral to be modestly attended. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Um, you just got to have kids. Yeah. Tons yeah. of kids, armies tons of, of funeral goers. Totally. That's why you have children, just to populate yeah. the funeral. All procreative sexual activity, once the world totally collapses into chaos, seems like a really bad idea. Well, what's the point yeah. at which we know the world is collapsing into chaos? My I, question. Think that's a, I, I think, think that's, that's a, the issue. That's the question. Right. Is it collapsing into chaos? It certainly felt like that <laughs> earlier this week when the Iowa caucuses resulted in... Uh, I guess the best way to describe it was a bunch of Iowans chasing a greased pig while the Benny Hill theme played, mm-hmm. right? And nobody had any results. And then meanwhile, we, you know, if you watch it on cable news, you had you saw people that were like, this is, oh, this is egregious. I have to stay up till one in the morning <laughs> talking to you. I don't have anything to fill this dead air with. All I'm going to do is like talk shit on Iowa. So it felt very bleak. It felt like the Democratic Party in Iowa, at least, had proven that it couldn't handle uh, running a very small election with a very small number of people in a very <laughs> rural state where traffic jams aren't really even a thing. And with lots of preparation, lots, like years to prepare. Right. This isn't something that we just like drew their name out of it. Nope. Iowa, you go first. Oh, no, we're nope. not even. Oh, everybody. Um, this was a this was a, a big failure. Um so I want to start with you, Francesca, since you are you're our guest. As it stands on Wednesday, it seems like the candidate that got the most votes is not going to get the most delegates, which is a problem with the U.S. as a whole. <laughs> it seems like we still don't know what happened totally. And going into New Hampshire, there's still a bunch of candidates who think they're going to win. Francesca, what do you think about the state of the Democratic nominating process right now? How do you feel? Uh, I mean, I just I was kind of tickled that it all fell apart because, of course, you know, and it, it was very on brand for Democrats to have this completely blow up in their faces and the pomp and circumstance of the caucuses and the graphics. And it just it's just funny. It's funny to me. And and at once and also horrifying, uh, you know, right now and this will come out later, but, you know, it's something like 71 percent counting. Delegates are evenly split between Buttigieg and uh, Bernie. Um, and I think so on the one hand, for me, the reason I think it's on brand is because I feel like actually this stupid app that was rolled out two months before the caucus and and was downloaded and failed three days by mm-hmm. a lot of um caucus managers like 
That's a perfect example of how I think the Democratic Party pours tons of money into consultants and tech companies and groups that are supposed to save us and help us like defeat fake news and like the Brad Parscale, whatever the hell his name is on the Trump side of it. And yet that fails. Like we are pouring millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars. States are putting out money. They're being lobbied to give their hard-earned money up to what? Up to an app when Iowa was perfectly fine doing this caucus without an app for a long time. And I feel like that's really indicative of like, how do you prepare your party for the 21st century? Like, where are we going? It's like, Actually, it's not an app. It's mm-hmm. having a plan. It's having a message that speaks to people. It's getting out voters. Yeah. It's door knocking. If I can, I, I agree with that completely. And to me, the big takeaway is that we invested as a party uh, tens of millions of dollars, who knows how much, into all these technological advances. And how many people showed up to this caucus? Maybe 170,000 is what we're on track to see, which is far fewer than the 240,000 who showed up in 2008 for Obama. That is awful. That is really, really, really bad. We're not turning out people. The candidates that say they're inspiring are not inspirational in the ways we need them to be to show up. If they're not showing up for the caucus, they're not going to show up for the general election. Mm-hmm. And if people in Iowa are at all an indication of the rest of the country, other other states are going to fall exactly in line with this. To me, that was the big takeaway, that people were not interested in this race. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can I Pollyanna real yes, quick? Yes, yes, yes. I think that the, part of the problem with Iowa that we knew before Iowa even happened is that Iowa is not the rest of the country. Fair. Iowa is a lot whiter. It's older than the rest of the country, and it has different voting patterns than the rest of the country. It is far from a microcosm of the U.S., I think. And um, I guess to Francesca's point that an app is not the solution, my takeaway was I'm glad that a failure of technology, this colossal, happened on a small Mm -hmm. scale. Mm -hmm. The Iowa caucuses aren't nothing, obviously, Mm -hmm. but at least— It's a dry run. Just a dry (laughs) run. Cameras off. No, let's pay attention. (laughs) But I also want to point out to Grace's point, I think that caucusing is very undemocratic because it depends on people being able to show up. Mm -hmm. And who can show up? Able-bodied people who don't have to worry about childcare, who don't work a night shift, who can stand in a gym for as long as, who can like deal with not like, you know, they couldn't even bring wine. You saw the shattered one in that bit though. It was amazing. Don't bring red, (laughs) bring white, bitch. You're going to get purple teeth. They're going to catch you. Imagine like if your sign that you'd voted, you know how in, in some countries they put indelible ink on your hand that's yeah. like a purple? Yeah. If like you got wine teeth, they're like, you voted. Yeah, we know. <laughs> we, we see it's, you. It's right, like, you have to stick around for about a couple hours though, right? <laughs> yeah. Until the next alignment yeah. or yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah. I mean, and this is like, I've never had to wait more than I think five minutes to vote. But that's not the case in a lot of states, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. it, and it, that's I, actually not a great sign either. That you, know, <laughs> that you just got to go. Well, I'm yeah. I mean, like in 2016, I had a bit of a line, and I was like, okay, good. There's some people, people here. here. Yeah, yeah. If I'm in and out faster than the DMV, then that's not great. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. It should be speedy, but it shouldn't be. I mean, it was really my neighbor's house. I don't know what the hell they did with the ballot. <laughs> I'm honestly not sure. It was I had a garage. To whisper it into a jar, and yeah. they said they were mailing it to Santa. I don't. No, a lot of glitter. Um, Megan, where are you at emotionally? You know, I was out um, doing comedy. (laughs) And so I wasn't at home watching. And I kept like refreshing on my phone being like, am I missing something? Because I've been trying to not get my news on Twitter. I've been trying to vape less Mm -hmm. and not get my news on Twitter. And I'm not doing great at either of them. (laughs) And so I was, so then I just like went to the, and I was seeing it and I was like, oh, 
and you see everyone, I, I guess you could say overreacting, but you have to keep in mind that we're really, really sensitive to this right now. And my biggest concern over Trump being reelected is us not having a valid election in mm. the first place. And I think Mueller really, really tried to drive that home. And a lot of us weren't listening to that. Like they are already meddling. There is already evidence that Russia is tampering in different places. And so it it's a natural instinct to be like, oh, fuck, is that what is happening already? Mm-hmm. That's not what's happening. It was just human error, I guess. But the yeah. the fear of then I start spiraling into, OK, what if tr- bless it? What if Trump loses? Is he going to say that this is a valid election? He's going to he's accumulating all of this bizarre evidence that the Democrats and and perhaps one of the nominees was was doing shady things with mm-hmm. this. Like, it, it's just kind of another feather in the cap of like, oh, fuck, this is a mess and it may not even be valid yeah. anymore. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think to that point, that's a really interesting point. And I feel like actually I'm a little more calm on that front when it comes to how is Trump going to weaponize, for example, Ukraine, which— Today, their Senate is going to acquit him. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, they'll be back on the train trying to get the Ukraine investigation yeah. into Burisma, into mm-hmm. Hunter Biden. Like, this whole thing's still good. They're going to try and move mm-hmm. it forward unless Joe Biden is not a front runner. And I think what we saw in Iowa is that, you know, you have Pete and and Bernie pretty much tied, Warren in third, and Biden's at a distant yeah. fourth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have to globetrotter levels. Yeah, yeah. Globetrotter. Globetrotter. I like that. And I think actually that's beneficial for this entire like once again being mired in some bullshit deep state conspiracy mm-hmm. that Republicans are going to drum up against who they want to be the opponent because he's got similar um, strikes against him as I think Clinton did, which is a very long history that can be picked apart, you know, uh, family involved in politics for a very long time. That can no longer be viable going into 2020. So I feel like I mean, if we got to say goodbye to Joe, I'm I'm happy. I mean, I'm I'll miss corn pop. <laughs> you know, you know what I will say to that point is is one of my takeaways that every I know so many people who are vehemently for or against every other candidate except Joe Biden and everybody that I know strongly dislikes him. And we are uniting as a party <laughs> in that way, which is an unexpected silver lining to this whole Iowa thing. Nobody wants him to be our president. Yeah. I, as far as I'm concerned, I, and, and I know that that I'm sure I'll get some slack on Twitter for this, but um, I, I, I don't know anybody who does. But isn't that don't. concerning that it's like we're all I mean, I feel like Clinton rallied that same, you know, that same spirit of like, I'm not excited, but I'm there. Right. Mm-hmm. And, I've, and I do think that votes are not precious. You vote to prevent neo-fascism from coming and continuing in power. But like, it is bad because I think we here are sitting having a pod, uh, having a podcast, we're having a podcast, <laughs> having a podcast, having a podcast. And I think most voters are not. And most no. voters are not having these conversations. Yeah. And they need, they do need to feel excited about who they're going to vote for. Otherwise, Hey, you got to get childcare. You got to go to work. Mm-hmm. You got there's I mean, I don't know why we don't have election day off. That's ridiculous. <laughs> of course. Yeah. National holiday. I, I think that we have reached a point where at least for Democrats, we need an inspiring candidate. I don't think we have it yet. And we don't have it. I canvassed we don't. this weekend and every single door I knocked on, they go, I don't know who I'm voting for. Yeah. And to me, that says you're not voting in the primary, which is, you know, everybody's right. But like we were in a middle class to perhaps gearing a little bit lower neighborhood, generations of families living together, the the 
the base that actually needs to be excited is not. Is not. But you right. knocked on doors. You Who did you knock for? Elizabeth Warren. Right. Mm-hmm. So, th- and that to me is like, you know, and there's a, been a lot of good articles about this from folks who have, you know, studied elections and t- looked at this electability question. It's like, knock on the doors mm-hmm. and vote for the candidate you want to vote for. Make your case and move on. Like, that is the, we can't keep shadow boxing this idea of who the voter, who's the, the who's no. the candidate, what's the algorithm. And we can't recapture like, the Obama light. Now, I think we really want that again. Yes. And, and B- Biden's obviously not it. Bernie probably feels the most like it, but it's, it still hasn't reached that point. And, and this could also be, I mean, this happens in sports all the time. It's like, it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a close game. Listen, I'd love for it to be a blowout. We're fucking terrified. We live in a part of the country where it's like, we're very performatively against him. And then there's parts of the country that are very performatively for him. And then there's a large part of the country that's like, we're not going to tell you. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we don't, we don't know. We don't know. We don't you. know. They don't. They, they don't. They're not talking about who they're voting for. They don't mm-hmm. know yet. I know people who were waiting in line in 2016, still not knowing. Yeah. And that's that is it, it's just it can't be tracked. And we've learned that. I guess mm-hmm. that's a valuable lesson. But we're kind of like out in the middle of the ocean hoping for the best when right. there's really I mean, nothing it, to cling to. It can't be tracked. You're right. And I think that the mechanisms that the media uses to try to track them are faulty. Like polling is obviously faulty. Biden was a front runner going into the Iowa yep. caucuses. And like it was completely upside down. The only it's thing that was exclamation point. Yeah, all the, over only, again. the only thing that was like durable was Bernie being strong. Uh, Pete outperforming. Warren was about the same, but the Joe Biden fluctuation was crazy. So Mm -hmm. polling, we haven't figured out how to do it in a way that's reliable. We didn't know how to do it in 2016. 2012 was even a little iffy. Mm -hmm. Um, We also, you know, so, okay, so polling doesn't work. How do we take the temperature? Nobody talks to each other who Mm -hmm. is in different groups. So I guess I'll go to Twitter, Mm -hmm. which is populated by assholes and bots Mm -hmm. and lonely assholes who might also be bots. (laughs) And that's no way to take the temperature either. And I think that one thing that I noticed after the, you know, when the primary was, there were some questions about the primary and Trump's people were stoking conspiracy theories about people targeting Bernie Sanders when rule changes in Iowa were made because of Bernie Sanders, Mm -hmm. even though they didn't really work out in a way that seemed (laughs) fair or good at all. Mm -hmm. It felt to me like, we are coming into this blind, Megan, to, to your point. We don't know. We, we don't really know how to take people's temperature. And it seems like the only way to do it is like analog, like technologies mm-hmm. failed us. And I mean, I don't know if you guys have been listening to The Wilderness. I'm, I haven't been asked to plug this, but <laughs> John Favreau has a, the, a new season of The Wilderness where he did a lot of focus grouping and sitting down with people. Yeah, I saw mm-hmm. some of that. And it seems like the that's the only way to figure out what people want. But then again, those people also have to have the time to sit down and, and talk but to that's, somebody. I mean, to Megan's, you know, to door knocking. You know, I'm a Bernie stan. Uh, and uh, I know I'm in the media, so I can't have an opinion, but I do. Uh, I think he's actually the person who I'm the most excited about. I see t- so much excitement for him. Um, this is the only way we're going to turn this entire ship around. I think we need an antidote to Trump. We don't need, a, you know, medicine. We need an antidote. We need a 180. Um and we need to stop climate change in 12 years, and I don't got time for that. You know, we got to rain in the fossil fuel industry tomorrow. However, knocking doors, talking to people, actually, like, having the hard conversations that aren't on Twitter and having the hard conversations with, like, people you know. Like, if you know someone who's like, I really like Buttigieg, and you're like, let me—and you're my cousin or you're my friend or you're my whatever, and I have to sit down and we have to have a hard conversation. It's going to be awkward. Or you and I—I I don't know. Like, 
I think that that is how you get people to vote. I think that's how you get people to your quote unquote side. And you do it, especially when it comes to the the actual prize that we've got our eyes on. We do we do it knowing that, you know, come whoever is going to be the nominee, we all turn and we fucking get out the vote for that person. Um, But it is really disconcerting. And I guess what I meant earlier about like it's on brand is because I feel like the Democratic Party is the biggest tent where it's like you've got the pro-life, which I consider the Democratic Party to be the pro-life tent because, mm-hmm. you know, we believe in Anti-war. actually continuing. Yes. in continuing mm-hmm. life on Earth. Uh, <laughs> and 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 then you've got like team death and you've got like team rape, you know, mm-hmm. and then you got like team consent uh, over here. And it's a big tent because we're like all, you mm-hmm. know, human nature is, I believe, generally good. We're a giant tent of people who want to live. And it's hard. <laughs> you know, it's really hard. I don't know what the future the Democratic Party is. Um, but I do think that we are going to have to leave behind some of this like beltway consultant money making off of the Democratic Party that has defined us for so long that actually isn't inspiring and bringing people out to the polls. And so what does that look like? And also it's scary. Like, oh, my God, you want to cut off like funding from all these lobbyists and donors that actually helps us defeat Republicans. I get that that's scary. Like, I totally get it. But what what is that in exchange for? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it in exchange for reaching out to communities? Is it in exchange for a vote where people really feel confident and comfortable and inspired about that vote? Hopefully. Mm-hmm. But there's another option here. <clears throat> and this is where I think that Republicans might have us strongly beat. And that is, I don't think Republicans need an inspiring candidate. I think that they, time and time again, they go for who's Jesus pragmatic. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and fear I, and spite. Exactly. Yeah. You don't think Trump was inspiring? Um, he inspired people that did not typically vote. Like, the that's what's nice for him. The yeah. Republicans are like, yeah, I'll vote for you. Yeah. And then he also got these other lunatics out, I still too. Felt, yeah, I still felt it was coming from a place of pragmatism. And I don't think that Democrats are... I don't think that we f- we are still. I don't think we're voting with pragmatism first. I think we're I still thought, I think for the that. Democrats are. W- I feel like Trump was the Jeb Bush was being groomed for the <laughs> pragmatic yeah. choice. Yeah, it was all about Jeb. That's how we were going to fall in line. And guess what? When when Trump started feeling that grassroots, you know, uh, support, right. The Republicans fell in line. And what Democrats don't do mm-hmm. is Democrats don't fall in line where there's energy. Mm-hmm. What we do is we hedge bets. Mm-hmm. We think, no, 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 he's unelectable because of this. He's unelectable because of that. Aha, a perfectly algorithmic candidate who is young enough, good looking enough, has the Ivy League. I'm obviously talking about Buttigieg. Uh, a you know, But gay. Mm, perfect. Christian, Throw him in also there. Christian. Also Christian. Went to Afghanistan mostly for the resume. Let's put him in. Like, it is so weird. It's so backwards, I think, how we actually come together. Like, we don't—like, when it comes to grassroots and what they want, it's like, no, 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 no. Whereas mm-hmm. Republicans are like, oh, this guy uh, wants to build a fucking wall? All but Hell yeah. Him. Like, yeah. put him yeah, up there. I, I guess I, I view the people that voted for Trump as not the kind of institutional Republicans that come out election after election. And, no. that's, and that's what I'm talking about. The Republican base is different from Trump's base. Trump inspired a base that got him into office. Mm -hmm. I still think that whatever the Democratic base is. In Wisconsin, it was 23,000 votes. That's not that Mm -hmm. many people. No, that's true. If you you made that all into a town, it would not be that big of a town. It would maybe have one high school. Like, it's not that big. I think there's this fear, too. Like, I had this instinct when you were like, I like Bernie. My instinct was, I'll vote for him. Like, I will will (laughs) truly— 
I and I I hope I don't come back to bite. I will give money. I will campaign. I will do whatever I need to do, even if it's someone I do not like or believe in. And I think what Grace is saying is Republicans have that a little bit more than we do. Yes. There's already Democrats yes. that I that are my friends, my family that I talk to all the time that are yep. like, if it's not so and so, then I'm not voting for exactly. them. And it's exactly. Like, well, we can't do that. That's <laughs> actually not going to work. And that feels very like. I didn't get my way and I, and I understand, but it's like, but you can't fuck the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, well, let's, I think that that's a really important point, but I want to pivot really quick to political media mm-hmm. and the role that they're playing in either stoking fear or anger or hopelessness. If you can stoke hopelessness. <laughs> um, I felt like on Monday when I was watching the Iowa returns come in or not come in, mm-hmm. um, I felt that the media was really doing a, bad job of making people feel like having to wait a day for results was the worst thing in the End world. The world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Grace, I wonder what you think about the way the media handles things and how it influences the way that people talk about politics. Uh, cable news, uh, especially that night, just felt like Twitter to me. I don't know the distinction now between social media and cable news. It's all the same. There's the same frenetic energy. It's the same desire to, you know, say whatever is required to keep people coming back. Like, oh, I got to get those likes. I got to have people, in, you know, invested and involved. I mean, it, it, cable news has always been about creating whatever it's going to take to get ratings. And increasingly so is years have gone by, but now it's just this frenetic pace that truly mirrors social media. Um, it's disappointing. I mean, I think you used the word, Francesca used the word tickled, which is hilarious. I agree completely. Like it is sort of like, oh, this is a fun shit show to yeah, watch. Yeah, haha. Uh, yeah, haha. I mean, and I think that, it, you know, we spent a lot of time criticizing Fox News, but we need to be criticizing all, all cable news outlets. Um, it's just not, it doesn't feel reliable. It doesn't feel um, exciting. It feels laughable and it feels outdated to me. And, and like Megan, though, to your point about also not wanting to get news from Twitter, Mm-hmm. I agree completely with that. So if you've got this, we're in this position now where I feel like I don't want to go to social media for my news. I don't want to go to cable news for my news. So what's left? Got to wait for, you know, Wall Street Journal the next morning? I don't know. I, I don't. I, Wall Street <laughs> Journal. <laughs> analog voting, yes, analog exactly. reading. Let's go to Manchester and destroy the looms. Um, that's a Luddite reference. But. I mean, I, I had a special on MSNBC uh, that aired once. Mm-hmm. On December 29th, it was 45 minutes on healthcare, a deep dive into healthcare, looking at three different states, focusing on the issues, on the issue of healthcare, and explaining what, what the state of it, Medicare, Medicaid, Obamacare, all that. Mm-hmm. You think as I'm waiting there, being like, no, 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 please, Brian Williams. Give us your fifth opinion that is the same thing you just yeah. said about the same thing. Like, I'm like, just re-air my special, bro. Yeah. <laughs> re-air it because we could learn a lot more in this hour. Then we'll come back. Right. Yeah. Well, you could even have a ticker at the bottom sure. anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they also didn't air Elizabeth Warren's remarks <laughs> Yeah. Live. Well, what would they, they that was, I think there was a conflict. I feel like someone else was Biden. going live. I think Biden oh. was going live or Buttigieg. Was giving his victory speech, which was his a, victory yeah. speech. Megan, I want to talk to you about that. You're from Indiana. Oh boy, Pete <laughs> is from Indiana. What did you think of his speech? I mean, <laughs> it's. I guess it's two things. I'm like, Pete, 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 you bad. You're bad. You are bad, 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 bad. You are bad boy for sure. <laughs> you are in big trouble. But then the like. The competitive, I want to win side of me was like, listen, you're a little shady snake and we may need a little shady snake to beat this fucking monster. Like it almost felt like he played the game 
even though it was gross and weird and like incorrect and lying and, you know, almost perpetuated his own quote unquote fake news, Mm -hmm. it did feel like, oh, but this is what Trump would do. Right. And if we want to beat Trump, do we need someone who's just going to lie? Who's going to lie? <laughs> or no, who's just going to, I mean, to yeah. use a football analogy, you know how sometimes they'll whistle a play dead and somebody will pick up the ball and run it all the way to the end zone. It's like, dude, they whistled it dead like 15 seconds. Yeah, yep, exactly. Yep, definitely yep. didn't recover a fumble and get a touchdown. But then I'm also, I, I, I'm i not like disappointed <clears throat> in the other candidates, but I'm like, you should have done that too. You like, could have done it too. You, yeah. Like sometimes I, I worry that we're and and I guess the speech ripping comes into it too. Like people being like, "That's gr-. it's like we're we are operating against criminals right now." Yeah. So like to make a speech when you didn't really win, that's not the end of the world. This man has children in cages. Liz Warren to had rip a up different a speech. Okay, who cares? He's a fucking monster. Rip up the speech. I wish she took a shit on his speech. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think she like, implied that she wanted to. Yes, I would yeah, she definitely she was, did. Well, she, told, she may be she may be clogged up. She may not be able to get one <laughs> Nancy out. Pelosi doesn't shit. Come on. <laughs> not no. when she's wearing Rainbows white that and day. daydreams. That's all she shits. <laughs> no, I was going to say that Liz Warren did say uh the results were too close to call in yeah. her speech, yeah. which was also it's, Basically true. Yeah. And not not really. I mean, That's not accurate to what they happened. Weren't good. But they weren't too close to call for her. They were at, they were too close to call because they were at zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And zero is a tie. <laughs> I, I did I did think though, watching when the when MSNBC finally did air her speech, I thought that it was delivered with a lot of enthusiasm and energy. And she was like, I mean, it wasn't a victory speech. I saw like Mayor Pete's speech made me feel <sighs> like I wasn't breathing enough. Like I, I was at a high altitude and I was like, what is going on? Like my nail beds are turning purple. Like what is yeah. happening? I, 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 we, In order for us to, I feel like, Megan, I agree that, that it's important for someone who can play the fucking game and just go out there and be a ninja. I, I think that that's great. But I also think that in order to move forward, we all have to get to an agreed upon truth that we're living inside. Mm. And when I feel like somebody has just decided on an alternate truth that they're just going to carry on living inside, Mm -hmm. that makes me, it's like we already have planet Trump that is a a complete non-real place. I can't handle another timeline. And then we have like this kind of mucky what's going on area. And then I can't, yeah, exactly. It feels like like you're being gaslit and and we're tired of being gaslit. And I think sort of Pete's Pete's ability, though, just the, how he talks makes me feel like I don't like where, what? what I don't do even, can I also well, say, I don't know why people like him. I'm truly baffled well, by can, it. Can, baffled. I, 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 I think, I think he's intelligent. I'll give him that. But beyond that, here's what I'll say that really upset me about that speech. Did you see the clear placement of the five African-American supporters of Pete Buttigieg lined up right behind him? I'm not saying that Mayor Pete is the first person who's ever done this. Ben Carson on the plane. Yes, yes. (laughs) But it was so clear to me that they had stacked that picture to look like he's got a ton of minority support. And that definitely does him. Exactly. And that to me was icky on top of icky. Yeah, that that. Yeah, there was a lot going on. There yeah, was there a lot, was a lot going on there. For, for, there was a lot going on, and there was also nothing going yeah. on. It was the we, one of the weirder nights that I've had just trying to digest political news. Um, I think the thing about Mayor Pete is that he obviously, and I, I'm going to play like Pollyanna again, because I think that if he went from being sort of a, an unknown to somebody who came close to winning the 
most like actual votes in Iowa, that he has to have something that connects with people. Totally. And I think that even if I don't see it when he's on TV or if that speech was off putting, there's something there. And people in the Midwest really like a nice young man, mm-hmm. like a nice, respectful young yep. man who asks, please pass the potatoes, you know, <laughs> who, you know, doesn't spice his potato salad, I guess. Doesn't um, like hot sauce. Yeah, well, he does. I mean, let's be real. He he poured a lot of money into Iowa. That was his prize. He had his eye on it, and that was it. He's not polling well in New Hampshire. <laughs> He's not polling well in early, other early Nevada. states. Right. So, yeah. like, that was it for him because, and poor guy, and so it's like, I get why he was like, I'm just going to say I'm victorious because mm-hmm. my brain literally can't compute the fact that this was a total fuck-up because, you know, there is a lot of importance put on Iowa, although when Bernie was surging, I think we saw a lot of New York Times op-eds being like, oh, I mean, Iowa's not that important or whatever. <laughs> um, so, but, it, you know, he, that was his strategy. This is a strategy. I think that's why he did so well. Um, and I think that's what's connecting to people. What you're not seeing is the cash money money that was behind him in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would like to say I don't hate Pete. I would love for Pete to lose and then run for Senate in Indiana. We desperately need that. And I'm only kind of just mad at him as someone from that state when I look at our two senators and what is going to happen today in the Senate. And and we can't lose sight of the fact of like, we got to win the presidency, but there's—this man would be— removed from office if we had one more yes. Democratic Senate seats in 2018. Yes. Yes. That, that's yeah. how I feel about Beto in Texas, by the way, as right. a Texan. I yes. completely, they are the same, same yes. to me. Yes. yes. Yeah. We need you, but your ego yep. got in the way of what we need you for. Yeah. And let's take a step back. And it's a classic man thing. I lost. I should be president. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, white man I, thing totally. if we're being real. It's white man thing. Reminds, it's, it's an important reminder that the feeling that we all seem to have a little bit of is this kind of like heavy gray noodle feeling where it's like, <laughs> oh, I'm discouraged, you know, just yeah. like a mild kind of discour. It's like overcast. I feel emotionally overcast. And part of that is because I have the feeling that no matter what happens, nothing is ever going to turn out OK. <laughs> like there's this mm-hmm. feeling my it's like nothing is ever going to go right. But. But why I do you guys feel overcast? Well, though? I feel I feel like here. I just wanted to get to this. Okay, I sorry, think, sorry. like what's happening in the Senate on Wednesday, which is uh, that the the Senate is going to acquit him, um, makes me think about Mitch McConnell and how as mm. long as Mitch McConnell is in charge of the Senate, nothing is going to get done. It doesn't matter mm. who if, wins. If like a Bernie Sanders from thirty years ago, like a mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders get arre- getting arrested protesting for civil rights, gets transported in time, and that version of Bernie becomes the president, uh, he won't get anything done mm-hmm. if Mitch McConnell mm-hmm. is. In the Senate. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the that your point, Megan, about Mayor Pete should be running for Senate, your point, Grace, Beto should be running for mm-hmm. Senate. We need to focus on, okay, so let's get all of the chess pieces in play rather than just focusing on our, you know, protecting our queen or whatever. Yeah. Let's play chess with every player on the board because Ooh, we're, I not, like that. we're not playing. And right everyone way. who's run for president, I think, is absolutely part of that team who has and is running for president, like who's dropped out, whether, whether it's Booker or, or Kamala. I think all those people need to be 
players um, still. Like, I think it, it, this sort of like zero-sum game, like just because we have a zero-sum electoral system doesn't mean that if and when whomever drops out, like that they have, you know, they, they just run again for president in four years? No, 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 no. They are part of rehabilitating the democracy, hopefully. Can I also say to, to Aaron's point, too, about the fact that we need to be playing chess and, uh, you know, hitting this from all fronts. Yeah, and hopefully Nobody... not against the Russians because they uh, are yeah, good yeah, at chess. I, 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 <laughs> yeah. We did not even question until yesterday who was in the Iowa Democratic Party, who really is in the DNC and the leadership of that organization, too. I mean, we, we, we know who's who's in charge there, but we're not questioning leadership that's not even elected. Yeah, but because people we're that, comedians! Yeah, yeah. And, and, well, Why are we uh, having to do all this fucking work? You're right. It's a lot, to do. It's a lot of additional work. <laughs> and and yet, I think that it's important that somebody's got to be asking the question: yeah. Who in Iowa is making the, deci- Who's the decision? Who's Price? Exactly. Who's even saying I need an app to run this caucus? Who's saying yes to that? N- yeah. None of these questions are being asked until somebody fucks up. Yeah. So Who names their kid Troy Price. <laughs> we've just we have we've blindly believed like, oh, okay, well, this is the good team. We're on yep. the good tip. Yep. There, there, there's got to be people doing good. And then the more you hear, it's like, oh my. God, this yeah. is crazy. Yeah, I'm crazy. stupid yeah. and I know more than you. <laughs> and Megan, to your point, I'm like, it's it's sort of the reason why I'm like, God, we have a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. I just I and I think a lot of us are like, I just want the candidate when I elect them, I won't have to think about this as yeah. much and do as much work. And I think the sad reality and the good reality is that if we don't use our democracy, someone else will, a la Russia. And we have to be more active and we have to do this work. And the DNC and the Democrats. They are just a consortium of Ivy League dudes who happen to get there and and, and and it's actually like way less evil and way less corrupt and just much more inept mm-hmm. and yes. random yes. than we all think. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and that actually means like, oh, crap, it's on us. It's on us. I mean, it's on yeah. folks like AOC running for these seats that seem completely impossible. Yeah. That being said, I do not want to run for any office. No, but, you know, no, no, nor no. Do I want to be no, in a no, DNC no, 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 no. Sounds terrible. No, like I think just like no, but you know it, what, man, it sucks that it sounds terrible to all of us in this room who are intelligent women. Yeah. Who I think in in many it, it would really resonate with you know people. What? But we need to get Katie Hill on here to mm-hmm. talk about yes. running for office, no yes. matter who you are, because she is a fucking badass, and yeah. I uh, and I think about her a lot. Uh, well, this is all the time we have for this conversation. I feel a little bit better yeah. just because I feel a little less alone yeah. in my overcastness. But we have to take a quick break. But when we come back, the hills will die on and a new segment for you. Beyonce, Katanji Brown Jackson, the lady who spent 500 days in a cave. Women are all around us. And this Women's History Month, the Crooked Store is celebrating with a pop-up shop featuring favorites from women of color founded companies. For a limited time, the SheCommerce pop-up shop has everything from delicious goodies to kids books to candles, all from small companies that we love. It is a great way to support women of color while treating a woman in your own life. Maybe that's yourself to a sweet distraction from the endless horrors that we face every single day. Happy Women's History Month to all. Check out what's in stock at crooked.com slash store for this month only. Okay, we're back. We've gotten to the part of the show where we get really petty about things that don't matter that much. It's the hills we'll die on. Let's start with our listener hill. Hi, Hysteria. So the hill that I will die on is that we need to stop making fucking Ted Bundy content. I'm so (laughs) sick and tired of seeing 
studios produce miniseries, docudramas, movies, TV shows about this sick asshole when there are thousands, if not millions of amazing stories about women being created by women and people of color who deserve their money. So for the love of God, if there's any studios out there listening, stop (laughs) making Ted Bundy content. It's fucking boring. Yeah. And that is the hill I will die on. That's a Quite good, literally. That's a good hill. Bundy. That's a good hill. That's a good hill. Yeah, I, I hill. You know what? I mean, I always live by this adage. If you want better murder content, then go out there and do interesting murders yourself. I, oh, yes, yes. I love that. Make your own murder content. Yes. There's yeah. nothing stopping you. No. I want to oh, do a podcast that's like, well, so it's uh, me and my boyfriend who's a comic. And then we it's like a combination of both serial and my favorite murder and... I don't know what else, but basically where we will plant, we'll plan out my murder or I'll kill him and then we'll sort of reverse engineer it as like, and so the question is like, did they or didn't they plan it? Mm-hmm. But Can that now they with it. Yeah. We, like That's a, the remember game? Murder by Numbers? Right. That Sandra Bullock movie? <laughs> oh, I need to rewatch that. Oh, it was good. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I remember. Murder I just, by Numbers. A VHS now. Yeah. tape just yeah. popped yeah, into yeah, my yeah. mind. I watched no it on label. VHS. Uh-huh. Wow. I just know the net. Is it, oh, the, the net, net is the good net's too. Great too. The net is good. I love movies that are about hacking from an age when like nobody knew what yeah. hacking looked like. And yeah, it, it was just like someone a with pounding on a keyboard. Someone with, I'm yeah. in. <laughs> you mean like that? <laughs> um, yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> if you listeners want to submit a hill you'll die on or get in touch, you can record a 30 second voice memo on your phone and send it to hysteria at crooked.com. Okay, let's get started with the hills at this table. Who wants to go first? I'll go first because I hate myself for this hill. I hate myself for it. But I've determined the hill I'm going to die on this week is that coconut yogurt is the only yogurt that anybody should be eating. There are too many yogurt options. Everything's bullshit. Coconut yogurt is way too expensive and it is delicious. Mm. And I love it. And I'll die on that hill. It's not made from dairy? Just made vegan. Oh, it's made from the coconut meat? Yep. Like, yeah, no. it's wow. delicious. I didn't it's even creamy. know this it sounds was like seven dollars yeah. a, a pot. Correct, correct. Yeah. Seven dollars for like three bites. It is too expensive. I should not be indulging in it, but fuck, it's good. Oh, mm. it sounds awesome. Yeah, that sounds amazing. It's a, it's a tasty hill. To if die you on. buy co- coconuts, are really expensive. If you're not shopping at a at a specific like Thai grocery store, if yeah. you go to like a white people grocery store, they're like four bucks yeah. a coconut. You can go to a Thai grocery store and get like a ream of them. Yeah. So maybe make your own. Coconut. <laughs> Ream of coconuts. A ream of coconuts. <laughs> a spool of coconuts. Um, Megan, you want to go next? Yes, thank you. I actually just shifted. I had one that didn't make sense, and now I've shifted to. I do not know why JJ Watt hosted SNL. Okay, yeah. And I say that as someone who has a very, very intense knowledge of every funny athlete. This man has never said or done a funny thing in his life. I would rather watch J.J. Redick, Ooh. who is a basketball player you guys don't even know. <laughs> yeah. That's I, how, that's how I've heard that I've name. Said. I know J.J. Redick. He's old yes, as hell. Oh, yeah, but he's hot. He, and you should watch his, um, he has this beautiful house in Dumbo that they do oh. a really intense video of. J.J. Watt is not funny. Uh, you don't need to have an athlete 
a football player host SNL the night before the Super Bowl because then it's just like, oh, well, why aren't you in the Super Like, it's stupid. Could he deliver any joke? I didn't watch a second of it. <laughs> I watched a little. I thought he was okay. I'm a little biased because I'm I'm from Texas, so okay. he's a Texan. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I'll I'll give him. I'll give him credit for I've that. I turned on him hard. Uh, yeah. Really, really hard. I interviewed him last year. We had some laughs. And over the course of the last calendar, calendar year, I've turned on him so hard I wouldn't even give him blood if he needed it. <laughs> oh, you guys have history. Oh, wow. Yeah, but like we got along in the inter- I just don't think he's funny. And it's like, yeah. Lauren, come on. What are you doing? This is like, yeah. I, he raised money for the hurricane survivors. Some of that money is missing, by the way. And <laughs> I, he, that doesn't mean you get to host SNL. But You're a loser. RuPaul this week. Yes, of course. That and makes that's sense. Great. This is a performer. Yes. yes. J.J. Watt isn't even the most funny white player on the Texas. <laughs> you have to embezzle a certain amount of aid relief in order to be considered. I don't even think he embezzled. I just think he's stupid and can't count. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Maybe um, the money got found. I don't know. Don't come for me. I don't care. As you were talking about him, I was like, that man could be elected governor of Texas. Oh, and it absolutely. made me think of will. Yeah. And it he made will. me, I was, as I was watching the Super Bowl, The Rock was like introducing, he was like, and we got, and I was like, what he was doing was very cheesy as much of what he does is, but I was like, you're so goddamn likable. Mm-hmm. He could win the Democratic nomination for president yeah. if he entered the race now. The, yeah. Rock, the Rock would win. And yeah. I think J.J. Watt hates Kaepernick. So that will probably play well for him in Texas. Uh, yeah, well. yeah, well. Well, maybe he'll be too so stupid that he's inept and can't get anything done. That's we'll sometimes perfect. Great governor. Yeah. Perfect. That's sometimes all you can hope for. You get a Republican, you're like, oh God, please be yeah. stupid. Yeah. You know, like Rick Perry levels of stupid. Yes. Um, okay, Francesca, bring us home. Okay. I don't know if you guys already talked about this, but the Oscars are coming up and mm-hmm. the hill I'll die on is that J Lo yes. can act the pants off of Scarjo yes. any day of the goddamn week. <laughs> J-Lo, greater than ScarJo. It's the only Joe we need. I fucking hate Scarlett Johansson. And Jennifer uh, Lopez was amazing in Hustlers. I just dropped my phone uh, (laughs) in order to agree hard with you. (laughs) Don't do this if you're listening. You'll break your phone. I couldn't agree with a hill more than that. I die for Jennifer Lopez. I mean, oh my God, uh, she's incredible. She was fucking great in Hustlers. She really was. People were like, oh, wasn't it a good movie? Fuck you. It was a great movie. And she was incredible yes, in it. Yes. She made everyone else better. Yes. The fact that the Oscars deprived us from a Super Bowl halftime show from an Oscar nominee, yeah. they've got blood on their hands. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fucked up. Yeah, we're pretty angry about that. I mean, I th- I liked Hustlers just fine. I thought it was a it was a movie that made sense, which is more than a lot of movies do. That get nominated for Oscars. It, yeah. it made more sense than marriage story. All yeah. right. Yeah. As someone once again who's been divorced <laughs> and doesn't have like a play on Broadway or a pilot in Hollywood. Sorry. <laughs> I did you tweet about that where you're like so relatable or was that you texting me? I don't remember. I you're, think so. I mean, I've I've had like every party I go to, I'm like, who liked Marriage Story? And if like more than half, I have to leave. My <laughs> husband loved it. Oh, wow. But I haven't seen it. Uh, it was, don't watch it. Came it. Out, like, I hear a week don't before our wedding. I was like, absolutely no, not. I'm yeah. laughing that. I'm going we, into this with blind faith. <laughs> you know what I did I read the screenplay actually read the screenplay didn't see the movie I got what I needed to You're out of You're the oh, only that's way smarter. person who read yeah. any screenplays yeah. they got Correct. sent. Mine but are all it, in a stack. Isn't that a better way to approach the marriage story thing? Like, especially as a woman who's engaged and about to get married. Like, I'm not I'm not trying to have Noah Baumbach <laughs> take down my... No, you life. can watch it. It's completely unrelatable. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I wish you that much success. I don't wish you that much, like, 
out of touch elitism. Right. Um, yeah, you, you watch like if you've seen Blue Valentine or if yeah. you've seen like uh, um, Closer with like. What's it like uh, Julia Roberts and Clive Owen? That shit was hard. Like we've seen good breakup stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This was not a I good mean, breakup Midsummer story. I mean, Midsummer ultimately is a breakup story. Oh, it's the too. best breakup it's story. It's the best of the year. breakup story so for bad. sure. hundred percent. Um so no? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do a hill this week, guys. I'm gonna introduce a new segment because we're getting really into the meat. The, the stringy meat of the uh, election season. Um, we're going to introduce a new segment called Sanity Corner. And this is where we talk about things that we have been enjoying that have nothing to do with American politics. Uh, and I say American because the thing that I'm about to bring up does have something to do with Polish politics, but I'm so out of touch with Polish politics, as one is in America, uh, that I'm not sure how it has anything to do with Polish politics, All only that it's a great book. Um, I finished reading a book called Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead, uh, a few weeks, it's the most metal name. It's like <laughs> a satanic pregnancy. Yeah. Drive your plow over. It's a, it's a line uh, from a poem that is uh, written by a poet that a character in the book likes. And it's by a Polish author named Olga Tokarczyk. Uh, she won the Nobel Prize in literature for this book. It is translated from Polish. It is beautiful. It's about this woman who is an old woman who lives in a rural Polish town who is sort of uh, like ostracized but also doesn't like anybody. Um, and she doesn't, she especially doesn't like the fact that there's a big hunting culture around her and she loves animals. And, um, at the beginning of the book, I'm not giving too much away. She has these two dogs that go missing. She doesn't know what happened to them. And then shortly thereafter, hunters start turning up dead in her town. So it's like part mystery, part uh, meditation on who gets ignored, who gets paid attention to why people are ostracized and what it means to be alone. And it's also kind of an adventure. There's like the end. I don't want to give the end away, but the final maybe like 30 pages are like so satisfying. And I did not see them coming at all. Mm -hmm. They're so satisfying, Um, even though it is a pretty intense book. And, you know, if you if you have a dog or you love animals, like having to just think about losing your dogs is very sad. But it's a really, really good book. And I cat person. I love it. I'm there. (laughs) You obviously saw Don't Fuck With Cats. No. Oh, you got it. Uh, is that is that your sanity corner? I mean, it's really dark. Um, and it just rem- like when you're say there's definitely like a trigger warning if, if you know people love animals. They do a good job of like getting away. You're not really seeing super 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 bad stuff, and they give you a moment to turn. But don't fuck with cats is very sad, tragic, weird, and and satisfying in its own way, too. Mm-hmm. They give you a moment to turn, like, away from— Well, because um, this man is abusive to animals and oh. put it online, like, videos of it. And so instead of, like, showing you the video, they kind of show you—they show you a person who is sympathetic to it watching the video. Uh, and, and, and blurs, but, like, I closed my eyes for a lot of It's it. like Werner Herzog and Grizzly Man when he's like just listening I to I wish I knew the, that reference. Oh, yeah. No, I know what you're talking about. You know, there, was a, there was a guy who was like, I'm going to live with the Grizzlies. It'll be fine. And it wasn't fine. No. Um, and he recorded him. Like you that. hear the him getting eaten no. alive by the bears. No, come on. And Werner Herzog is listening to it and no. he's not having a great time. He's like, oh, this no. is terrible. Yeah, so it, you should yes. never, ever listen to this so ever. So kind of like no, Grizzly no. Man. Pretty good. Uh, I, uh, side note, uh, my brother knew a guy who sold Grizzly Man 
just mountains of ecstasy every summer. Cool. Hell yeah. That's pretty metal, too. I mean, he was high as a kite out there with those grizzlies, which you have to be. You have to be. be. Ecstasy like fuck them? He's just really connected to nature. No, he's not. He's rolling. (laughs) Yeah, he's rolling. He's dehydrated. (laughs) Uh, Grace, do you have? I got two. Okay. I got two for you. One you know, one you might not know. One, Netflix cheer. cheer. Gotta get oh, on cheer. Just watch it. Just do it for yourself. Your soul's gonna love it. There's been enough great things said about it. Trust me, it's awesome. Second thing you might not know, that is actually a recipe that I made this past week because cooking is a, oh, a yeah, positive thing. Totally. I made okay, so Chrissy Teigen is a little bit she's my guilty p- pleasure. She has Don't feel recipe. guilty about that. Okay. It's I'm not. She's just my pleasure then. Okay. Okay. That's gross. Whatever. <laughs> um, Chrissy Teigen has a recipe for everything bagel, pigs in a blanket. Oh. Let me tell you, it's three ingredients and it's delicious. You wrap up little weenies in a honey Dijon layered uh, crescent roll. Mm. Mm. Stick them in the oven with a little topping of everything bagel topping that, that you, you get, can get from at Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's okay. or you make your own. Unbelievable. Hit at a Super Bowl party. Delicious. Indulgent. Tasty as fuck. I just loved it. Did That's, you just make them for yourself? Uh, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do still have some at home. I'm just going to make oh, them for myself a lot good. today. That sounds delicious. Yeah, they're really good, Also, guys. if you've already seen Cheer, the same people that did Cheer have a series called Last Chance You. I think there's oh, been yeah. three or four seasons of it. Mm-hmm. It is it is way even more emotional and the kids are coming from way worse circumstances. Oh, wow. And it is really gut-wrenching and beautiful. And, like, I keep talking to people that are like, I love cheer. And it's like, I fucking hate you unless you have seen Last Chance You too. Yeah. <laughs> you got to put in the work, okay? <laughs> I'm in. I got it. Uh, Francesca, do you have anything that has been distracting you lately? No. You're just joyless. <laughs> I'm so joyless. <laughs> no, I will say I, fi- I found a nice eyeshadow. You did? What is it? And That's I huge. don't want to make this capitalist because you guys all said something that wasn't really capitalist and not about consumption. Because I think for me, I'm like, I got to stop online sh- sh- window shopping, you know, just like cart filling. And oh, then I do that all the time. Yeah. Cart filling and then like, no, fuck you. <laughs> no. Um, but like I found a nice eyeshadow. It was just like a, just like a solid, just like a good gold, a good, mm. just like little sparkly gold makes me feel happy. I can, I'm terrible with eyeshadow. So I'm like, I don't know how to, how do I blend it? I'm not wearing it now, but she's it, rubbing her eyebrows. I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know. Is it here? Is it up here? Forehead, just hairline, hairline. But it's, but yeah, and you just like it's like a, it's an Armani one. It's very nice, great. I spent a lot. You just kind of slap it. You slap your, and and that made me feel good to know that with my skillless paws, I can make myself look glamorous. Huge. I love that. Yeah. Sometimes just doing something to make yourself feel like you look a little bit better. Yes. Is enough to just oh, kind of yeah. take the edge off yeah. just a tiny you bit. You fake it till yeah. you make just it. Just a tiny bit. Can I do a, I think you need a little xylophone for this. You need <laughs> like a bong, bong, bong. Oh, there's a xylophone on Akila's desk. We can go steal it. Oh, yeah. She, she doesn't do come that. in until the afternoon. So Sanity we're- corner. <laughs> like that. I like that. <laughs> okay. Uh, Megan and Grace, thanks for coming by. Francesca Fiorentini, thank you so much thank for being you. such a good friend of Hysteria and oh. coming by and talking. And this is a heavy topic, and I'm glad that you guys were here to yeah. talk about it with me. And thanks to Alyssa Mastermonico for calling in. Thanks to you for listening. And there will be more Hysteria next week. Hysteria is a product of Crooked Media. 
Caroline Reston is our producer. Our editor is Sarah Barrett, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to Juliet Beckstrand for production support and to our digital team, Elijah Cohn and Nadina Malconian for filming and editing our video content every week. Sorry, you wanna go and cry out to mommy. Do I want to step with the